Welcome to Week 14, and welcome to Rams All Access with DeMarco Farr. I am JB Long. Last week, the division clinched. Yay. This week, a chance to secure your playoff by the Rams are 11 and 1. They take on the Bears at 8 and 4 in primetime Sunday night football. Can't wait to greet you from Soldier Field. <laughs> yeah, I'll be Southern on the field. <laughs> freezing Chicago. Freezing my butt off from bringing the long underwear. How about you? Well, I don't know what my situation yeah. is going to be. It'll be it'll be warmer than yours, I know, by how much to be determined. But you win this one, and not only does Jared Goff not have to worry about playing in gloves for the rest of this season, nice. but Demarco doesn't have to worry about wearing a knit cap on the sideline well, for the you rest know of the season. I, I like the fact that Goff may not may not have to play in the weather again after this game or in in cold weather games. That's going to be good. Um, but I'm expecting him to be a whole lot better than he was in Detroit and better than he was in Denver. I could care less about the. The circumstance. You have to be better. You are the guy right now. So let's wrap up Detroit before we move on to Chicago. Lackluster offensive effort, I think we'd all agree. One of Jared's least productive, least accurate afternoons. What percentage do you think of the struggle against the Lions, which turned into a double-digit road victory? Don't get me wrong. What percentage was the layoff, the bye week? What percentage was the early start, the only 10 a.m. kick? West Coast time, and what percentage was just the opponent and the Lions maybe giving their last gas? Well, I don't want to take anything away from what they did defensively. They had a great game plan, and their guys played like gangbusters. Even Snacks Harrison played better than I thought. Actually had a sack in the game. He was dominant up front. But, I mean, watching Jarrett from field level, I mean, he escaped the pocket. He got into areas where he can see down the field, and just to be just to be honest, he missed. He missed a lot of guys. He was a bit wide on a touchdown throw to Reynolds. He was a bit wide on Reynolds again. Uh, he's a tough guy to miss, but Jared found a way to miss him. But for the most part, all year long, he's been accurate. So uh, maybe it, it looked like he was still trying to find it. So maybe it was waking up in the morning. Maybe it was the bye week, the rust. Uh, Sean McVay mentioned that. Uh, he likes to keep things going, and sometimes it's rough to come back off a bye week. So 60 70% to early morning and the bye week, hmm. the rust? Uh, not the worst thing in the world to lean yeah. on your defense for once. It was a very good week for that side of the football. How good are the Lions offensively at this stage? Not great, not as good as the group you're about to see. We will flip to that side of the ball momentarily, but sticking with the offense for the time being, uh, Todd Gurley, NFC Offensive Player of the Week again, but behind him, one of the most trusted backups in the NFL, Malcolm Brown, is going to miss some time with a clavicle injury. Uh, that means Justin Davis and John Kelly, who have had light work, who have been inactive uh, by and large in 2018, one of them, maybe both of them, will be called upon this weekend in prime time in frozen conditions. Yeah, I knew something was up. Uh, Malcolm's first carry was awesome. He bounced off three or four guys, spun off, got up the field, made something happen. Um, he's been that guy, not the backup. He's been the other starter, in my opinion. When you say the way he's played, some of the touchdowns he's had, or the touchdown he had in New Orleans was amazing. But that second carry where he got buried and it looked like his feet just died on contact, I thought maybe he got dinged in the head. And then he walked by me into the locker room. Got nervous. And then you look at the depth chart. You've got one back left. Now, it's a good one, mm-hmm. but, I mean, no one wants to go that long in a football game without a backup tailback. Uh, but Todd Gurley did what he had to do, man. It was a punishing day for him. He had to. He reminded me of old Steven Jackson. i got to take this on uh, by myself and carry this football team, if you will. The O-line did a good job. So uh, Todd can do what is necessary to win games. Now, behind him, we'll see. It could be Robert Woods as your backup tailback. But we'll, we'll find out how that goes. Well, it's about pass protection for yeah. me because I think Todd will get the vast majority of the touches as he so often does. But what Malcolm was so trusted, so good at, 
was protecting, picking up blitzes, and it's up to Davis, it's up to Kelly to pick up that slack. Here's what uh, Big Wit, the left tackle, had to say about the loss of Malcolm Brown. It's a huge loss. I mean, he's a heck of a football player, a uh, guy that uh, does nothing but step in and, and rise to the occasion every time we need him, and, and Todd needs a blow. I mean, he's uh, somebody that I think everybody in the locker room has an appreciation for, just the physicality he plays with and uh, just the guy he is, man. It's, uh, Malk is a guy that uh, any snaps we're missing with him, we'll be missing him for sure because uh, he's, he's, a, he's a heck of a football player. And now you spin this forward to the Chicago Bears, DeMarco, who have not allowed a 100-yard rusher this season in regulation. They have allowed a couple in overtime, two games this season. In fact, they've only allowed one 100-yard rusher in regulation over their past 30 regular season games. I don't think it's a stretch to say this is the best defense, especially when you consider playing them at their place that the Rams' offense will have seen this season. I agree. And Vic Vangio is a guy that's... He's been around a long time. He, reputation precedes him, and he's got some athletes, some some horses that he's working with. Besides the numbers, what jumps off the screen when you watch them is they hit. They are physical. They bring it. Uh, I like, I love Roquan Smith, don't you? Trevathan is just a problem in the middle. I mean, those two guys together, plus what's up front. Uh, when they do have you boxed in, and that happens a lot, they don't give up contain a lot and they bring it on the backs. It's physical. So this is going to be a rough afternoon for whoever's taking carries for the Rams. Not only do they have playmakers at all three levels, not only are they a takeaway generating machine, I'm not sure there's a soft spot. I'm sure Sean McVay sees one. I'm sure McVay knows where he wants to go, what weakness he wants to exploit. I don't see it. I haven't found it yet. Have you? Uh, yeah. I, I, I Well, I, I think I have an idea of how you attack based on how Sean McVay has attacked other good defenses. Um, if you're great doing one thing uh, or or you have the ability to pursue, he's going to make you pay for your pursuit. Uh, if your defense is complicated, he's going to make you overcomplicated. If it's simple, it's going to make you think a little bit more. So I would expect a lot of tempo changes. I would expect a lot of misdirections. And I would bet on the road in Chicago with the with a team that has Khalil Mack, Jared Goff is not going to be in the same spot twice throwing the football. That launch point is going to change. So he's going to make them have to earn whatever hits they get on his on his playmakers. Sounds like what you're saying is McVay and the Rams are going to do what they do, always yes. do, in terms of their offensive scheme and playing to their strengths. They're just going to be doing it against a fundamentally sound, hard-hitting defense that's personnel looks a lot better than some of the other defenses the Rams have exploited this year. Uh, look, eventually, de- defensive football is one thing. Uh, three is three, two is two, four is four. No matter how you start the play, whatever coverage you're in, you're, you're going to have to end up there at some point. So whatever manipulators you can throw at the defense to get them to tell their hand, that's what the Rams are going to do. And Jared Goff and Sean McVay are pretty good at this. So no matter how good the defense, there's going to be an answer coming off the Rams' sideline. What concerned me was how inaccurate Jared was under duress last week, how he struggled to handle pressure. He's been one of the best against blitzes, one of the best in clean pockets. But for whatever reason, the offensive line coming off the bye I don't think was as sturdy as we thought they would be. Last week we said that the offensive line was going to benefit most from the bye. I'm not sure it played out that way. Uh, the Lions got to Jared Goff. They forced turnovers. And if the Lions could get to Goff, the Bears are almost certainly going to. No doubt. What do you call that stuff on TV? The infomercials? Flex Seal? The stuff you can spray and it you can you can ride a boat through it? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Flex Seal. Just put it down on the bottom of the canoe and the, keep on paddling. The boat's been a little leaky. I mean, even in Detroit with a four-man rush, 
Guys were getting there. Jared Goff was harassed, bumped around. wasn't knocked down a ton, uh, but he was harassed constantly in, 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 in pass protection or when he's trying to throw the football. Now Khalil Mack is on the other side. Akeem Hicks is on the other side. I, I would expect more of the same. So at some point, maybe you have to say, let's just get the ball out fast. Mm. Concede the pass rush, but I don't want to do that with the offensive line you had. I still believe in their ability. Kind of like what other teams have done with Aaron Donald right. all season long. Jared Goff went 1 of 12 under duress last Sunday in Detroit. The worst completion percentage of his career when pressured, and he was pressured on 40% of his dropbacks, the highest rate he's seen all season. So it is Khalil Mack, it is Aaron Donald, part of the storyline. Under the lights in Chicago, Sunday Night Football, we will change sides of the ball and talk about Aaron Donald's MVP candidacy as he pursues Mitchell Trubisky in the Bears this week. You're listening to Rams All Access on ESPN LA 710. My mind like that every play. You know, I want to make that big play every play. So, um, you know, you know, big-time players make big-time plays in big-time games, and that's what we need to keep doing. You know, a lot of guys is doing it, so we got a bunch of guys like that flying around making plays. You know, you get good things out of it. That was Aaron Donald following another multiple sack performance in the win over the Detroit Lions, following another strip sack that led to another touchdown. All four of the fumbles he's created this year, DeMarco, have led to Rams touchdowns. He has been clutch, if there is such a thing, in terms of his pass rush. Well, thank you from all the short defensive tackles in the world. Thank you, Aaron. He's a six-footer. Thank you to all the other three techniques for getting paid and still ripping it apart and being better than last season because now everyone gets paid. Uh, gonna be fun. Uh, now he's gonna, ha- he's gonna force everyone else to train with knives too in the offseason because you see the benefits of his training. The guy doesn't stop. When we gave, gave Peyton Manning credit for being a guy that never leaves football, Aaron is the same way. It's not just physical. The guy constantly studies the opponent, the trends, how he's going to be blocked. And then when he sees it, he defeats it immediately. It's amazing. I mean, what he's doing, we think is MVP worthy, mm-hmm. but will the NFL populace well, vote that way? Will they yeah. give him serious consideration over the quarterback? Yeah, if you and I were actually the last two making this decision on who's the MVP, and you had quarterbacks, running backs, what have you, the traditional picks, I would say, how many times have you seen that sort of performance out so, of a quarterback? Like whoever you're picking, Breeze, whatever, as, as the MVP, or even Todd Gurley, what he's doing, running the football. How many times have you seen that sort of performance? Well, it's it's just like every year you have two or three of the best, and this year I think you can make the case for Jared, for Mahomes, for Breeze, for Phillip Rivers. You may never see what Aaron's doing again. You may never see a performance like this. The novelty yeah. of it stands out. And so if you're asking who is the most irreplaceable player in the NFL, it's not Aaron Donald, as great as he's been. Like, do the, do the Rams have more wins with a combination of Sean Mannion at quarterback and Ethan Westbrook's playing? Mm. You, you know, like, if yeah, you yeah. change those pieces out, like, Jared Goff is the most valuable. Just like on almost every team with a top-tier quarterback, that position is the most valuable. Who's had the most outstanding season? It's 99 by a by mile wide margin, absolutely. And I think yeah. you need to be, you need to be able to reward that with the MVP award. I sat there in St. Louis way back watching Pujols play, and it's funny you're sitting in your chair and you're thinking, "Wow, something big needs to happen." I hope Pujols does. Bang, there it goes. You're thinking the same thing in Detroit. Wow, you need something big to happen. I hope Aaron. Bang, balls out. There it is again. He's just that sort of player. To me, that is MVP worthy. He changes games. He changes momentum. He steals momentum back from them. 
It's amazing what he's doing. So if this is going to be the year that you award it to a defensive player, especially an interior guy, this has got to be the one. One other word on that, and it's not just what he's doing in terms of strip-sacking quarterbacks. He's wreaking havoc in pass rush, yes. But he is also tossing LeGarrette Blunt to the ground in run defense at an elite level. I mean, he's playing three downs. Yeah. He's doing it in all phases. And I, I can hear the conversations he's having with the white hat, the referee, and the umpire. It's, it's, they're not arguing. He's saying, look, they're holding me. He's, they're saying, yes, you're right. I will watch it next time. Right. And then the flag comes out because it's true. He's not begging for calls. He's just saying, make the right call. So even if you tie in the plays where you think he's blocked and held, that could still be a win if he wasn't held. And they're probably saying, we don't have a game if we call the letter of the law every single snap. Right. Well, Aaron, the game will be six hours long. You know <laughs> what, What's exciting to me is the fact that the last two games, Aaron has done what he always does against Kansas City, against Detroit. And then, from the edge, Samson Abukam. Mm-hmm. Last week, Dante Fowler. Wow. The week before, Kansas City, Dante Fowler. Like, are we finally seeing the edge deliver the way that we were all questioning whether or not it could to complement what Donald and Sue and Brockers do in the interior. There should be a race. I don't know who would want to play here more. Any skill position, receiver, running back, would want to play with Goff and play for Sean McVay. They should race here in free agency or want to be drafted. But the edge rushers and anybody lining up Donald should be should have a beeline to Los Angeles too. There's always going to be a guaranteed one-on-one. And if you're on his side... There's no guarantee that guy is actually going to be an offensive lineman. It may be a tight end or a back. That's how much attention he is seeing. So if you can't get pressure with him on the field, then you just can't play football in the National Football League. Let's take a step back into the secondary because the other major story coming out of Detroit was the return of Aqib Tlaib at corner opposite Marcus Peters coming off of injured reserve on a pitch count. Played a half, sat out the second, should be full go this week in Chicago. For those two quarters that you saw Tlaib back in the secondary, did the pieces fall back into place the way they were drawn up? What's well, funny, Who who's the guy we talked more about in the past month? Out of the secondary. Marcus Peters. Did we talk about him after Detroit? Hardly. He's had a couple of quiet weeks. It's funny how that happens once Tlaib steps on the field. That's how much of a balance he brings. It's a calmness that he brings to the game. Or you can match him up against the hottest guy and he can cool that guy off, which allows Marcus Peters to work on the other side. It frees the safeties up just to be safeties. They can play the coverage called and not have to worry about this corner here or somebody getting beat over the top. That's just what he brings to the field. He is that experienced, and he's that good, and he's just working himself back up into football shape. You actually saw some of the depth behind those two that's been developed in Tlaib's absence because not only did Tlaib take the second half off, but Marcus Peters left the game in the fourth quarter and did not return. Uh, and so you saw Sam Shields, and you saw Troy Hill, who got the game-clinching interception, and some of those reps that I think they got in the middle of this season, uh, once again proving valuable, you hope that, your top tier can play the whole game against Chicago because the Bears, in terms of weapons, are in a whole different class compared to what you ease back into with the Detroit Lions. Oh, no doubt. I mean, these guys can put it anywhere. Uh, they have a quarterback that is a dual-threat guy, let's be honest. I can care less what they say in Chicago. If he's out there, the guy can run, and he's going to. So it, it's going to be a dangerous offense to face. Um, Stafford can wing it. Detroit put it on you. You had trouble 
covering up the tight end again. That's always going to be a problem. That? That's just always going to be a problem with this defense, the way it's constructed. Um, who they are and how they play. Um, Corey Littleton, Mark Barron, or the safeties. Just some of these tight ends find ways to find holes in the secondary, or they just they're just bigger. They're just bigger guys that, that the quarterback can find. So expect those same sort of issues to happen versus Chicago. That's just there is a lane down the middle of the field for tight ends. Uh, Chicago two wins ahead of Minnesota in the NFC North. Uh, after this primetime game against Los Angeles, they finish with Green Bay, then at San Francisco at Minnesota. It's really striking how they have successfully followed the Eagles and the Rams blueprint, building around a second-year quarterback with a play-calling head coach, investing in a ton of assets to surround him with the best supporting cast possible. Of course, we remember the Rams jumped almost 16 full points in the first year under Sean McVay. Uh, under Nagy, the Bears have done something similar, scoring an extra dozen. Now, part of that has to do with the turnovers they're creating, scoring on defense, creating short fields. Uh, but we'll talk some about their personnel upcoming, including uh, Tariq Cohen, who I think is a serious problem in the backfield with Jordan Howard. That's as Rams All Access continues. Segment number three next, Marco Farr and J.B. Long on ESPN LA 710. It's just another game. I think I thrive at night games. I don't know why. Ever since college, I, I like playing at night. So um, it'll be fun. It's Sunday night. I don't think we've played Sunday night since I've been here. I want to watch that TV copy here, Collinsworth and them talking. Um, it'll be fun. It'll be something people dream about their whole lives, especially me. The win is most important, but with that win, we clinch a bye. You know, we could watch the other guys beat up on each other during that wild card round. Yep. Um, we'll be resting, getting our bodies right, and um, game planning. So it, a bye is huge. You know, we didn't have it last year. You saw what happened. So, I mean, yeah. just get another bye, get another chance to rest, it'll be huge. That second-year safety, John Johnson the third on this week's edition of Rams Revealed, a new podcast that you can find on therams.com. I got to know John a little bit better, including uh, the story behind his nose ring uh, and why he is uh, suspected of being lactose intolerant by his position group. I have to hear this. Where can I find this information, JB? I go to uh, therams.com, where you can also catch Between the Horns, a podcast between uh, DeMarco Farr and Miles uh, Simmons. He mentioned playing better under the lights. That's what the Rams are going to be doing uh, this week, and they have been superb under McVay in prime time. Four wins, no losses. They're averaging 41.5 points per game in prime time, inflated, of course, by the win over the Kansas City Chiefs a couple of Mondays ago. No doubt. You should get more points. So you do get more points as a player when you can perform in primetime because it's so off your normal schedule. Um, only the best can do that, can maintain that focus throughout the day where it takes eight-plus hours just to get to warm-up when you're used to playing at a certain time, but then you still bring it at night. So uh, that's why we – guys make the Hall of Fame based on what they do in primetime, if you ask me. So I love the fact that he says, I love to play under the lights. Now make sure everyone else around you feels the same way. Country will be watching, and with a win, the Rams can clinch that – First round by and continue their march towards a potential number one seed with home field uh, throughout. It's also a chance to sweep an NFC division for the first time since realignment in 2002. The Rams have not gone 4-0 against a division. In this case, it's the NFC North. Hmm. Uh, they could sweep the North and they could sweep the West. Wow. About that with games against the Cardinals and the 49ers. So funny. I, officially culture changed. When you, you start talking about stuff like that, usually it was the other way. You get swept by a division. 
you're the team that was getting swept by this division or this other division or maybe two divisions in one season, but now you're the team. We said this months ago. You're wearing the yellow jersey now in the Tour de France. You are out in front. Even with the Saints, they may be even with you, but you actually are the team to beat right now. And I think they took a shot from Detroit yeah. that made it look and feel that way. And then post game, I observed a lot of what I think you're driving at, which was in less than 12 months' time, they went from full blown celebration in Nashville, going back to the postseason, really going to the postseason for the majority of those players for the very first time. And that was in week 16. They were celebratory in Detroit, not over the top. Yeah. Right? I mean, like, they took their T-shirt, they took their hats, they posed for some pictures. But I, I got the sense that this was just check mark number one on a to-do list that's like four or five items long. I, I had some fun with that. We were talking about that. Looked it up on the plane on the way back. Muhammad Ali, the greatest fighter of all time, right? The way he celebrated his first championship win. He's jumping around the ring. He's screaming. Then I looked at, I think, his 10th defense. Complete different. Completely different guy. Whew. Draped over the ropes. Tired. Little bruised. <laughs> Answering questions, not so animated. It's you put yourself in position to be that guy that everybody wants to beat. It's tough. Yeah. You're fun when it happens. It's fun when it happens, but you have to worry about next week too. As only uh, Les Sneed can do, he put it in this context, uh, filling in for Sean McVay on the Coach McVay show Monday night. It's like when you pick up the video game from the night before, right? You've already achieved a certain level. Maybe you got to level three, died in level four, so you pick it up the next <laughs> night, and you want to get to level four or level five, right? Right. I mean, they got to a certain level last year. The returning cast that's back felt like 11 wins, a division title, was probably their baseline. That's where they are at the outset of December with four games to play. Now, that was not Les Snead's best soundbite from right. the other night. The best soundbite was when we asked him a question from Pete Fox, who's actually our home spotter at the Coliseum, in a segment we call Audibles. And the gist of it was this. If you're drowning on a boat <laughs> that's going down, and you're there with Todd Gurley, Jared Goff, and Aaron Donald, all three MVP candidates in their own right, you have one life vest. Who gets it? And we said, Les, you don't have to answer this question. This was... This was designated for Sean McVay, and we weren't necessarily even going to ask him. But he said, no, bring it on. And this was his answer. That's that's easy. I'm going to give it to Aaron Donald, and then I'm going to tell Aaron, hey, why don't you tear that thing into force? <laughs> and he would do that with his bare hands with ease. He'd pass us out, and we'd all you know, jump on a fourth of that life jacket and, and hope for a boat or a helicopter or Drift something. to that to deserted back. island and deal with the next uh, tough question. I'm voting for Sneed. Aaron Donald even ruins Titanic now. <laughs> he ruined the ending of that. See? Everybody's safe now. Wow, he's Superman. <laughs> All right, we need to take another break here. Coming up, uh, a guest from Chicago, J.J. Stankovitz, will have our four-down territory, including a look inside the turnover story, which Chicago is dominating this season, plus the latest on Mitchell Trubisky and his chances to not only play, but also to do damage with his feet, which he has been so successful at. Uh, in 2018. That's on the other side of this break. You're listening to Rams All Access on ESPN LA 710. It's just another game. I think I thrive at night games. I don't know why. Ever since college, I, I like playing at night. So um, it'll be fun. It's Sunday night. I don't think we've played Sunday night since I've been here. I want to watch that TV copy here, Collinsworth and them talking. Um, it'll be fun. It'll be something people dream about their whole lives, especially me. The win is most important, but with that win, we clinch a bye. You know, we could watch 
the other guys beat up on each other during that wild card round. Yep. Um, we'll be resting, getting our bodies right, and um, game planning. So it, a bye is huge. You know, we didn't have it last year. You saw what happened. So, I mean, yeah. just get another bye, get another chance to rest. It'll be huge. That second-year safety, John Johnson the third on this week's edition of Rams Revealed, a new podcast that you can find on therams.com. I got to know John a little bit better, including uh, the story behind his nose ring. Uh, and why he is uh, suspected of being lactose intolerant by his position group. I, I have to hear this. <laughs> where can I find this information, JB? <laughs> I go to uh, therams.com, where you can also catch Between the Horns, a podcast between uh, DeMarco Farr and Miles uh, Simmons. He mentioned playing better under the lights. Yeah. That's what the Rams are going to be doing uh, this week, and they have been superb under McVay in prime time. Four wins, no losses. They're averaging 41.5 points per game in prime time. Inflated, of course, by the win over the Kansas City Chiefs a couple of Mondays ago. No doubt. You should get more points so you do get more points as a player when you can perform in primetime because it's so off your normal schedule. Um, only the best can do that, can maintain that focus throughout the day where it takes eight-plus hours just to get to warm-up when you're used to playing at a certain time, but then you still bring it at night. So uh, th- that's why we – guys make the Hall of Fame based on what they do in primetime, if you ask me. So I love the fact that he says, I love to play under the lights. Now make sure everyone else around you feels the same way. Country will be watching, and with a win, the Rams can clinch that first round by and continue their march towards a potential number one seed with home field uh, throughout. It's also a chance to sweep an NSC division for the first time since realignment in 2002. The Rams have not gone 4-0 against the division. In this case, it's the NFC North. Hmm. Uh, they could sweep the North and they could sweep the West. Wow. that. With games against the Cardinals and the 49ers. So funny. Officially, culture changed. When you you start talking about stuff like that, usually it was the other way. You get swept by a division. You're the team that was getting swept by this division or this other division or maybe two divisions in one season. But now you're the team. We said this months ago. You're wearing the yellow jersey now in the Tour de France. You are out in front. Even with the Saints, they may be even with you, but you actually are the team to beat right now. And I think they took a shot from Detroit yeah. That made it look and feel that way. And then post game, I observed a lot of what I think you're driving at, which was in less than 12 months time, they went from full blown celebration in Nashville, going back to the postseason, really going to the postseason for the majority of those players for the very first time. And that was in week 16. They were celebratory in Detroit, not over the top. Yeah. Right? I mean, like they took their t shirt, they took their hats, they posed for some pictures, but I, I got the sense that this was just check mark number one on a to-do list that's like four or five items long. I had some fun with that. We were talking about that, looked it up on the plane on the way back. Muhammad Ali, the greatest fighter of all time, right? The way he celebrated his first championship win. He's jumping around the ring. He's screaming. Then I looked at, I think, his 10th defense. Complete different. Completely different guy. Whoo! Draped over the ropes. Tired. Little bruised. (laughs) Answering questions not so animated. It's... You put yourself in position to be that guy that everybody wants to beat. It's tough. Yeah. You're fun when it happens. It's fun when it happens, but you have to worry about next week, too. As only uh, Les Snead can do, he put it in this context, uh, filling in for Sean McVay on the Coach McVay show Monday night. It's like when you pick up the video game from the night before, right? You've already achieved a certain level. Maybe you got to level three, died in level four, so you pick it up the next <laughs> night, and you want to get to level four or level five, right? Right. I mean, they got to a certain level last year. The returning cast that's back felt like 11 wins, a division title, was probably their baseline. 
that's where they are at the outset of December with four games to play. Now, that was not Les Snead's best soundbite right. from the other night. The best soundbite was when we asked him a question from Pete Fox, who's actually our home spotter at the Coliseum, in a segment we call Audibles. And the gist of it was this. If you're drowning on a boat <laughs> that's going down, and you're there with Todd Gurley, Jared Goff, and Aaron Donald, all three MVP candidates in their own right, you have one life vest. Who gets it? And we said, Les, you don't have to answer this question. This was... This was designated for Sean McVay, and we weren't necessarily even going to ask him. But he said, no, bring it on. And this was his answer. That's that's easy. I'm going to give it to Aaron Donald, and then I'm going to tell Aaron, hey, why don't you tear that thing into force? <laughs> and he would do that with his bare hands with ease. He'd pass us out, and we'd all you know, jump on a fourth of that life jacket and, and hope for a boat or a helicopter or Drift something. to that deserted back. island and deal with the next uh, tough question. I'm voting for Sneed. Aaron Donald even ruins Titanic now. <laughs> he ruined the ending to that. See? Everybody's safe now. Wow, he's Superman. <laughs> All right, we need to take another break here. Coming up, uh, a guest from Chicago, J.J. Stankovitz, will have our four-down territory, including a look inside the turnover story, which Chicago is dominating this season, plus the latest on Mitchell Trubisky and his chances to not only play, but also to do damage with his feet, which he has been so successful at. Uh, in 2018. That's on the other side of this break. You're listening to Rams All Access on ESPN LA 710. Welcome back to Rams All Access. We continue with Four Down Territory, our weekly trip inside opponents' territory. And J.J. Stankovitz uh, covers the Bears in Chicago, uh, a friend of mine from the Midwest. We used to talk Notre Dame together. Uh, now we turn our attention to this week's Sunday night football contest, Rams and Bears. J.J., thank you for some of your time. And it sounds like Mitchell Trubisky is going to give it a go on Sunday night after missing a couple of weeks. If he plays, J.J., one of his great attributes is his ability to run the football. Do you expect that he'll be part of the game plan in that regard, given the conditions, given the circumstances of his injury, and given the opponent? I think he has to be, JB. I think he has to be able to run the football and run it effectively because that has been such a big part of his game. And it's not necessarily designing read options for him or giving him a ton of RPOs. It's the ability to evade Aaron Donald plowing up the middle and get outside the pocket and make a play either with his feet or with his arm or force the Rams into having a spy on him on every play. These are all really important aspects to who Mitch Trubisky is as a player. I do think the Bears trust him at this point to be a little smarter about it than he has. So by that, I mean get down and slide you know, in a way that he maybe wasn't doing earlier this year or get out of bounds and don't look for that extra contact unless it's absolutely necessary to pick up a first down on, you know, third down or something along those lines. Um, I think they want to see him do that a little bit differently. But, I mean, look, running the football has to be a part of his game because it is where he's been one of the more effective quarterbacks in that regard this year. Uh, J.J. Stankovitz covers the Bears for NBC Chicago. Can the Bears stop Aaron Donald? And I realize that's a little bit rhetorical because to this point no one really has. But how are they equipped to deal with a defensive lineman who's having an MVP caliber season? Yeah, it's going to go down to game planning. And, you know, Mitch Trubisky talked about it on Wednesday of getting kind of the quick game going and doing a lot of things that I think teams have done to the Bears in with regards to taking Khalil Mack out of the game where you just have to get the ball out quick and you can't hold on to it too long because if you will, it doesn't matter how good your interior offensive line is, Aaron Donald's going to beat it. That being said, the Bears have had some issues with the interior of their offensive line, especially ever since Kyle Long 
suffered an injury back in late October against the Jets. Um, Brian Witzman has had some issues at right guard. James Daniels, the rookie left guard, has been playing better, still coming along. And then Cody Whitehair has kind of had a little bit of upheaval between the two guards, so he's still kind of getting into a groove in terms of combo blocks and all those things. Um, look, if the Bears can mitigate Aaron Donald's impact, I think that will go down to the game plan more than anything else. And look, this is a team that hasn't been able to run the football against far worse defensive lines this year, so I would not expect them to be able to get Jordan Howard going, especially with inside zone and those concepts on Sunday. If they do get the running game going, I think it'll probably be with Trubisky starting there and then maybe Tariq Cohen breaking one to the outside, but it's going to be a real tough day if the Bears are going to try to run the football. Uh, Speaking of running the football, how about looking at it through the uh, other direction? Todd Gurley having a great season, also MVP worthy, but I think this is the most stout run defense that he will see all season. What makes the Bears so good corralling opposing running backs? Yeah, it's the the combination. It starts with Eddie Goldman and Akeem Hicks up front. Eddie Goldman can anchor a double team better than a lot of nose tackles in this league. And by him doing that, then you have Akeem Hicks, who sometimes if he gets singled against a guard, he has absolutely tormented some right guards this year. If you go back and you watch that first week of the year, what he did to Green Bay's Justin McCray, I think, was illegal in about 15 states. Um, you know, I, I think that the, that's where it starts. And then we've seen improved play from the outside linebackers. Khalil Mack has been really good against the run. Leonard Floyd starting to come into his own. And uh, Aaron Lynch has been a really solid piece against the run. And then on top of that, you add in two really good inside linebackers in Danny Trevathan and Roquan Smith. Roquan Smith is playing excellent football lately. He, his arrow is very much pointing up uh, the, the former first-round pick from this year. And Danny Trevathan is one of the smarter inside linebackers you'll find around the league. So it, as long as Goldman and Hicks and those guys, you know, including Bilal Nichols, who's been a good find in the fifth round, um, if they can continue to kind of anchor things up front, the rest of this front seven has shown they can make plays, and that's where it starts. Last question for J.J. Stankovitz, who covers the Bears for NBC Chicago, and that has to deal with takeaways. The Bears have been excellent in that category. Obviously, they have the personnel to do it, but some of that is just good fortune. We, we know the turnover battle uh, can swing week to week, and for the first time all season, last week against the Giants, it went against the Bears. Uh, that seemed to be the major reason why they lost that game. Anything else you mm-hmm. would like to tell us about the turnover battle and the secret to the success for Chicago this year? Yeah, you know, it's it's funny how Khalil Mack and one player can really transform the rest of the defense. Um, we're seeing the pressure that Khalil Mack specifically is putting on opposing quarterbacks. Even if he's not hitting home for three sacks a game or eight pressures, they know he's there. And we've seen so many quarterbacks, their clock has been sped up. And that's allowed a guy like Kyle Fuller, who has six interceptions, to jump routes more consistently this year. It's allowed Eddie Jackson to be even more of a ball hawk than we've seen in years past, or he has the three defensive touchdowns this year. And it really just goes back to teams having to know that Khalil Mack is there on every play. And if you hold on to the ball too long, Mack is going to get to you, and then your clock is really going to speed up. If you try to get it out quick, um, outside of the game against Miami where it was 99 degrees, the Bears' defense has tackled pretty well. So it really is fascinating how – They have all these interceptions. They lead the NFL in takeaways. And it really goes to them just getting Khalil Mack from the Raiders. And 
that that one trade, I think, has been the biggest reason why the Bears are not only in first place, but why they have one of the best defenses, if not the best defense in the NFL. All right, the Rams missed him in week one when they took on the Raiders under the Monday Night Lights. Now they will see him in Chicago for Sunday Night Football. JJ, look forward to seeing you lakeside at Soldier Field. Bring your coat in your head. It's going to be a cold one. Already packed, buddy. <laughs> Thanks, JB. See you. Well, DeMarco, I'm curious how the Rams will prepare defensively for Mitchell Trubisky, who is really second only to Cam Newton in terms of what he's capable of running the football. Uh, but if you were the Chicago Bears, given the stakes, given the opponent, how much harm would you be willing to put him in against this Rams defense, knowing that he's less than 100%? Uh, he's young, right? Uh, he it depends on how he feels, and it doesn't matter what they say. It's how he's going to play the game. Uh, do you remember the one of those summers of Tebow when he was trying to fix his throwing motion, and he worked on it all summer, and we couldn't wait to see it. And as soon as they started playing real football, he went back to the old Tebow. Yeah. Uh, when you take the field, you're going to be who you are. So, like I said, if he's on the field, expect the guy that can run. My question is on defense: Does this mean no long anchor? Because it's another quarterback that can threaten the edge, and he can run. Um, but kind of like the the, the Seattle Russell Wilson yeah, scenario, he can give you problems. There's it's the same offense as you saw with Chase Daniel, but just you have to honor the quarterback more. He can really hurt you with his legs. So there's going to be some zone read, uh, which puts those end man on the line of scrimmage guys in peril. They're going to have to be good reading the boot and reading the pitch and the and the uh, the handoff. So. Uh, that's going to be your game. Depending on how well that position plays, we'll tell you how much you're going to get off the field against Chicago. Uh, Trubisky tops among quarterbacks, averaging better than seven yards per rush here in 2018. And with him, Jordan Howard, who since 2016 trails only Zeke Elliott and Todd Gurley in rushing yardage across the NFL. And Tariq Cohen, who is a problem. I mean, he is a problem. Coming off a huge game, 186 scrimmage yards last Sunday against the Giants, a career-high 156 receiving, the most by an NFL running back since Todd Gurley last year in the Christmas Eve clinching game against the Titans. How do you contend with all three of those lined up behind the line of scrimmage? Uh, you you got to hit them for a loss and uh, early. Uh, you can't stop those sort of guys, the Kamara types. Uh, that's why they're in there. They're matchup problems. They can run the football, but they're also problems out of the backfield. And they're good receivers. So there is no putting the lid on those guys. You don't have anybody that can really match up and just take them away. So you have to take the offense from them. Put them behind the chains. Tackle for loss will be, tackles for loss will be out of premiums. Uh, you have to limit the damage they can do when they get the balls, get the ball in their hands. But, there's no way to stop them man for man. It's just not going to happen. How much did it warm your heart to see Akeem Hicks at 330 pounds become the first defensive lineman for the Bears since the fridge to go into the end zone? Loved it. I mean, you know, he kind of, you know, put the boiler on him and, and leaned in there and got a touchdown. Weird weekend, right? A left tackle has a touchdown reception. Odell Beckham Jr. throws one, and then we got a D tackle that scores a touchdown. Mm-hmm. So one of those weird weeks. But Akeem Hicks is an issue. Running the ball and trying to block him. And Cohen threw one, too. It, it's it's an issue. I mean, there's going to be... Expect everything you've seen all season long coming out on Sunday with the Bears. They can run just about anything. Again, I liken it to the showdown against New Orleans and the showdown against Kansas City, where it's best against best. Those were more offensive, who-can-get-to-40-or-50-first type affairs. This is just as much strength against strength, except I think it's can the Rams get to their average, their scoring total, against the best defense that they might see all season long. I mean, 
tee up Sean McVay for a challenge like this, sit back and watch and enjoy it because th- this is special stuff. Yeah, he's not going to shrink from this. I and mean, it, this is going to be fun. And it might be yeah. the first of two times we see it this year. Would you – Sean McVay playing chess or Sean McVay playing poker? Which one do you think would be more entertaining? I would say poker because you actually get to see the chips going to the middle of the table. <laughs> Well, I think he, I think he's more of like an active gamer. Like, yeah. I think he'd be more of like a, a checkers guy or, or the wow. craps table or something where he can, I, I don't think he could sit still for poker. <laughs> right. Could he, could he hold a poker face for six hours to win at the main table? Maybe, you know, you might be right. Um, but he is pretty deceptive with his play call. Oh, he, yeah, he's yeah, deceptive, you'd... but he, he would go for the jugular like too early. I don't think he he would want to wait for the long game of a chess match. He's on a roll though. I'll give him credit. So <laughs> you know this what? is this is going to be fun. Yeah, we'll, we'll pose that question to him Monday night, perhaps cool. following this primetime affair against the Bears. Final segment of Rams All Access with Demarco Farr coming up next on ESPN LA seven ten. Well, the post by stretch run was certainly altered by the Saints' loss against the Dallas Cowboys on Thursday night football, preceding the clinching win for the Rams in the division in Detroit. Uh, the Saints, Demarco, have. The Buccaneers in Tampa Bay, the Panthers in Carolina, home to Pittsburgh, and then home to the Panthers to finish. Mm. Uh, Rams with uh, four more wins can keep the Saints at bay and clinch the number one overall seed, and with it, home field advantage throughout the NFC playoffs. Uh, Give me your sense of the NFC race as we come down the stretch here, with the Bears mixed in, still with an outside chance at contending for one of the top two spots and a bye. I don't trust Carolina anymore. I did. Uh, when we left New Orleans, I think we all said the same thing. They they have their own problems down the stretch. They have to deal with Carolina twice. Uh, I, I don't know who Carolina is, so I don't know what they're going to be. So maybe the Saints have an easier stretch run than than anyone. I, who knows? I mean, the Rams in Chicago obviously are going to do battle this weekend, On uh, like you said, in primetime. That's going to be fun. We're going to decide that one. But everyone else, I have no idea. I don't know what to make of Philadelphia at this point. I thought they were buried here they are they're still in the hunt and we both agree the seahawks scare me that they're still around i don't want to see them later they're going to the postseason right you're gonna have to see them later with their remaining schedule they're in i I, i'm with you on carolina i wonder if they can rally for two more games against the saints but let me take a step back if i had going into thanksgiving if i had said is four and one the best case you could hope for for the Saints? you know from a rams perspective is four and one the best you could hope for just that one loss to give you the chance to control your destiny again fair yes because you've got that loss now i I don't think you can expect new orleans to lose again against that schedule i just mentioned probably not no which means you got to win your final four right and it's you have to beat chicago first um and then after that i mean teams are struggling and but you still have philadelphia that's Still around. So this, this isn't over for the Rams. I mean, you're out in front. Um, you could call this the, the, the bell lap in the mile. Um, but they're close and it's, it's, it's turned into, what do you call that? Um, uh, there, there's hurdles in the field now. It's, it's changed now. So it's going to be rough. And, the, and then you're you starting to get beat up too. On me there? Steeplechase. Thank you. Things are changing down the stretch. So who knows about anything in the NFC right now? I just like the fact that it, it kind of, Sets up one step at a time. Yeah. Last week in Detroit, division. Boom, you're in. This week, win, bye. Take care of that. And you ensure that the only place you would have to travel before Atlanta in the Super Bowl would be the Superdome in New Orleans. Right. So you're playing at the Coliseum or in climate-controlled indoors the rest of the way. You do that, great. You win the next three, you win out, 
the only road trip you're taking from here on out would be for the Super Bowl. Very true. But tell me that Arizona win over Green Bay didn't raise an eyebrow. Maybe maybe that Green Bay is is done, but Arizona is one of those teams at the end of the year that's starting to find themselves going into next season. So I don't think anything's going to be easy for anyone in the NFC to finish the year. Including the Saints, potentially. Right. Maybe maybe 4-0 is not assumed for them at Tampa Bay, at Carolina, home to Pittsburgh, uh, and then a home game against the Panthers to finish. We are finished here on this edition of Rams All Access. Look forward to joining you from Chicago on Sunday afternoon Los Angeles time. Uh, our pregame coverage three hours before kickoff. Uh, DeMarco, pack everything you got. <laughs> I hope this is the last time that you need to bundle up this season. I can't wait. Uh, I, I'm looking forward to the weather, actually. And you've played at Soldier Field. Yes. I mean, look, for any player, and I heard this is Whitworth's first time in Chicago, awesome. He needs to be there. The player he is and the place that is, they need to meet. This is going to be good. This week and next week, I feel like our playoff caliber primetime matchups. We'll see how the Rams respond at Chicago, followed by a home game against the Eagles. Thanks for joining us here on ESPN LA 710. We will talk to you from Soldier Field in Chicago, Week 14, Rams and Bears.